You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online video platform geared towards making you a better hunter. Watch instructional videos taught by hunting experts like Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, and Corey Jacobson. After the hunt, learn how to prepare your harvest from world-class wild game chefs like Hank Shaw and Jamie Tajan. Whether it's your first year hunting or you grew up doing it, Outdoor Class will take your skills up a notch. Use code EMPIRE20 at checkout to save 20% off. Visit OutdoorClass.com to learn more. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today, if this is kind of a BS session, but I had a guy reach out to me and basically just ask me, hey, if you ever want an average guy's take on hunting gear, why don't you, you know, like I'd be willing to hop on the show. And that's what we did. His name's Ryan Quirk. And uh, Ryan is from the East Coast, I believe Massachusetts. And today we talk about hunting gear and equipment. We talk about how he makes his decisions, um, the pieces that he kind of uses. Let's see, I think a, a heavy focus of this is about clothing, uh, like everything from base layers, insulation layers, and uh, outer shells to socks and boots, boot covers, rubber boots. Uh, we even talk about cold weather saddle hunting, meaning how you layer up using a saddle. He has some experience with that. And we even talk a little bit about e-bikes. Um, I have, now that I have an e-bike, I've used it a, a handful of times and, uh, you know, listen to this episode to get my, my review on it. Other than that, I mean, it's a straight to the point episode. This is one of those episodes where maybe you listen to it, you know, you go hunt the morning. You got that, uh, you know, midday to do nothing, and then you go to the tree stand, right? Listen to this episode in between that, and uh, it's just a, a good, fun, exciting, educational, and all those other words, all those other buzzwords that I would use to get your attention <laughs> for this for this episode, but it's a good one. If you are looking for a, te- uh, a saddle, go check out Tethered. Tethered has... Uh, all the hunting, all the saddle hunting accessories that you need. They have the climbing sticks. They have the platforms. They have the actual saddle itself. They are your one-stop shop for saddle hunting. And even in this podcast, you're going to hear uh, Ryan talk about Tethered and how their customer service is amazing and how they want to help. Uh, you know how they want to help their end users. So uh, make sure you listen for that. Uh, go check out Tethered Hunt Stand, man. It's that time of year. We are documenting everything that we see. We've done our ear, uh, our, our e-scouting. We are now in the woods, and it's time to document everything we see. Every, you know, drop a pin on rubs, scrapes, stand locations, where you see deer, where you don't see deer, trails, bedding areas. All that stuff needs to be documented. On top of that, Hunt Stand has just released their uh, Pro Whitetail um, upgrade. There's a slight upcharge for that, but you get so much more functionality with it. They have a, a rut map indicator. They have uh, a new satellite imagery. They have forecasting tools, like all this really awesome uh, um, functionality specifically for the whitetail hunter. So go check out huntstand.com. And then last but not least, it's that time of year where we, this is where the stories come. This is where the memories come. And if you can document your memory through like an action cam, like uh, Tacticam, then you can take that memory home with you. You can show your kids, your wife, 
your buddies, your grandpa who maybe not can't get into the woods anymore. Uh, so, and Tacticam has recently come out with their 6.0 version, and that has an LCD screen on it. It's 4K. It has Im image stabilization, so it's the real deal. So go over and check out uh, the 6.0 Tacticam uh, at Tacticam's website. And I believe that's it, man. We are we're good. We're good to go. Let's get into this episode and let's talk about some hunting gear. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Ryan Quirk. Ryan, how we doing, man? Doing great, man. How are you doing? Doing good. Have you been out in the tree at all? <laughs> a little bit. I went out the, this morning, actually, for a couple hours, but a little dead. The uh, weather here in Massachusetts hasn't been the best. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question. You live in Mass. Whereabouts yep. in Massachusetts do you live? What do you do for a living? So I'm about a um, half hour south of Boston. I live in Situate, okay. um, which is right on the coast. Um, for I do outside sales for an electrical supply company. Okay. So kind of just sell to electrical contractors. Nice, nice. So, uh, do you yourself know how to do electrical work? Um, a little bit. Um, I did a little bit after high school, and just kind of being around it for so many years. So. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't hire me, but yeah. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So it, it it it's funny you say electrical because I am looking at my office i have another room that i'm in the process of building out in what i'm going to kind of turn into a a storage area slash i don't know it, it might turn into a um a, another office or uh, potentially a, a studio a recording studio of sorts so um the what i'm what I'm getting at is I have these electrical outlets. Number one, I suck at drywall. So there's these giant gaps around my, uh, around my electrical outlet. And so the, the, so big that the covers of the, the, the covers don't even cover them. And second, um, I have, I had to like redo the outlets. I don't know how many times because they weren't working and so, you know, here I am questioning, okay, number one, is this outlet shut off? Can I work on it? And so I, instead of just like trying to figure out down at the fuse box, which one to shut off, I just shut the whole house down. And oh, yeah. <laughs> luckily, no one, yeah, no one was, no one was here. And then, uh, and then everything had to be restarted and all the ovens and, and all the clock, digital mm -hmm. clocks had to be. So what I'm, long story short, I'm. I'm not confident in electrical work. Hey, they make jumbo plates to cover that up. Exactly, exactly. And <laughs> I, I might need a couple jumbo plates. I don't even know if it, I got, I'm looking at one. I don't even know if the jumbo plate would cover it up. <laughs> That's how much I suck at drywall. Anyway, we're not we're not here to talk about how bad I am at at construction. Um, Ryan, you reached out to me. And you kind of said, hey, if you ever need a guest for any of your podcast, I, I would love to chat with you. And um, here we, we kind of landed on the Hunting Gear podcast. And um, you kind of wanted to, you know, you threw a couple ideas at me about a, a regular guy or an average Joe's take on hunting gear and equipment. And so... Why don't you just kind of fill us in a little bit about what you're thinking, and then then we can kind of take it from there, uh, and and ask the right questions and go down the path to to how maybe how you look at at hunting gear and equipment, and maybe give tips on how others could potentially either save or get the most bang for their buck on uh, hunting gear and equipment. Yeah, so um, you know, obviously, I started hunting. I've kind of self-taught. Um, started in my early 20s, so didn't have all the money in the world to buy gear. So I, you know, started with you know low end Bass Pro clearance rack sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, my base layers were all you know cotton thermals that I had, um, and just as you know researching online, time went by. Um, I started getting into the merino wools uh, with First Light actually, um, and it sucked paying for it. But I mean, night and day when you get into the right type of materials and finding what works for you. Right. Um, yeah. So 
I mean, kind of what I've started to realize now is I'm trying to find gear that not is necessarily hunting clothes, yeah. but, you know, maybe just gear that's warm and works, man, and that cuts out the wind. So, I mean, I have, let's see, like the First Light Merino Base. I kind of ended up getting their um, couple of their different layers, like the like the thin hoodie, I think it's called the kiln um, in the furnace, but... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, as far as clothes, I mean, comfort and something that's going to block the wind is kind of important for me. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you this right now, you brought up a, a, a good point or something that a lot of guys should think about, right? So when, when guys talk about being cold in the tree stand, and this is one thing that I've, I've learned. You have a base. If, if let's just start with the layering. You have a base layer. You have the the insulation layer. Let's call it, and then let's just say the next level is the shell, right? And yep. and so for whitetail hunters, for the most like when I grew up and as I got into like before I started really thinking hard about my equipment, I never thought about a windbreak layer, right? Some of the Western-themed uh, insulation layers have that built into them, right? And so recently, I sh- and I, I mean recently as in the last five years, I've adopted Western insulation layers into my whitetail, for the most part, into my whitetail, like a down-insulated jacket into my, uh, my whitetail gear. And so what this has done is it has actually allowed me to wear less bulky clothing to stay warm in the tree stand because if it wasn't for the that windbreak insulation layer, most of my gear was just these thick layers of, uh, I don't want to say merino, right? But uh, some synthetic, some merino, but just like big fat hoodies, big fat, uh, fleece, you know, just big bulky types of, of garments that would, that would just be bigger. And now I can take this insulation layer with me and just squish it down to the size of a softball, put it in my pack. And when I get there, it cuts out the wind. It does that job, but it also retains heat and it does that job. So it's almost like a multitasking type uh, piece. Yeah. I'm still on the hunt for that perfect shell, man. I haven't found it. Yeah. Um, I, I, sweat like a bastard oh i do too man. Stand. i mean when i'm when i'm i could be you know december low 20s in the morning and i'm walking to my stand or well, walking to find a tree to climb um in a t-shirt and i'm i um climb that tree by the time i get up there i mean sometimes man i'm taking off the shirt shirtless in the dark cooling down yeah and then kind of getting dressed in the tree but, yeah Whoops! That's the old wife calling. I gotta hang up on her and finish this one. Sorry, that's unprofessional. That's unprofessional, but that's all right. Um, I am also a sweater by nature. I am like, dude. I'm that guy that if I have to have my garments on point because if I don't, not only do I sweat like I like merino is great, but if you sweat through your merino or it really absorbs it takes a long time if you if it's really wet even for merino to work properly Mm -hmm. so when like uh for this rut usually i will have a long sleeve base layer on and that is it walking to the tree stand Mm -hmm. i'll get it almost to the point of extremely cold like almost shivering but then when i climb up my tree stand my my blood starts to you know I would rather be extremely cold walking in and climbing up than being sweaty, maybe not extremely cold, but sweaty. And then, and then putting stuff on and then taking forever to cool down. I'd rather just like, I'd rather do all of that getting dressed in the tree stand. I pack everything in, get dressed in the tree stand and kind of go from there. But, um, when it comes to like the rest of, and, and let's stick with the cloth, clothing standpoint, like what has that evolution for you looked like? I mean, starting, you know, from the beginning, I was wearing, you know, as far as base layers, I was doing the same thing. You know, I, whatever hoodie I had, um, you know, the thickest fleece I could find, 
Um, and then I had, you know, just like a cheap kind of jacket shell that had no wind, you know, windbreaking capability at all over it. Um, and then when I started to get into, you know, I have different synthetic bases. So, you know, like I said, I'll climb the tree in just whatever t-shirt, you know, so I can sweat through that, take that off, put it in the pack. Um, and then I usually start with just like a, either a synthetic or a merino base. Um, and then I have this, I have this like Cabela's um, mid, uh, mid-weight fleece that I found. And honestly, that's probably the best layer I've had out of anything as far as money and quality. I think I only paid like maybe 20 bucks for this thing. Okay. And that thing is sweet. So, I mean, I can put on my Merino that, you know, depending on the weather, whatever jacket. Um, I have um, the, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Yeah, their mid-weight first light jacket they have. The, um, it's like the one under the sanctuary there. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? So I have that. Um, I wear that kind of like, I mean, most of the season up until it gets into cold in November. And then I start kind of layering up, um, you know, depending how long I'm going to be sitting that day. And then I have, um, I have like a Cabela's um, kind of heavy jacket. If I'm not going to be um, kind of going in too far that I'll bring with me. Or I have my um, first light, um, the catalyst, the catalyst jacket. Um, yeah. But I mean, I've, with that man still up like with that jacket it just doesn't cut the wind for me so warmth yes but any type of wind and i still haven't found that that uh, piece that cuts that out yeah um yeah and my my piece isn't you know I, I talked about that uh that insulation layer that's my that's my wind cutting uh piece but it's also not in the hunting category i bought it at an eddie i bought it from an Eddie Bauer closeout rack in uh, one day we we're at the mall and I just was sitting outside of a store on a bench while my wife was in, I don't know if it was like a makeup store or Victoria's secret. I just noticed this Eddie Bauer rack that said like 30% off on it or something. And I, so I stood up and walked over to it and sure enough, that Pete, that, that puffy jacket was in there. And so that I got real lucky with, with that piece. I, I think it was like, 40 bucks or something like that and that's what i that's what i paid for it and so then over top of that then that i don't need um i don't need a big heavy jacket unless it's super cold and so my my super cold weather stuff um i got from i don't know if they make them the same way anymore but it is a synthetic it's not straight down but it's a it's a synthetic fill um but it's like a sleeping bag. They're, my overalls and my my large jacket are like a sleeping bag. And it retains heat so well that um, I ju- unless it's like in the negatives, I don't get that cold in the tree stand. Like typically the first thing to go is my feet. But and once my feet go, then I'm done. I, but I've you know, I've since found kind of a remedy for that. But it's uh, it's from Element Camo. Uh, and they've been sold or bought in recently by another company. I'm not 100% sure on that. But then the products kind of changed a little bit. But the the garments that I got are uh, amazingly warm. Yeah, man, I'll be honest with you. I've heard you talk about that Eddie Bauer jacket. Yeah. And, dude, I've searched online trying to, <laughs> trying to find <laughs> that damn thing, man. <laughs> right. You know, getting up in the, you know, I, I do saddle hunts. So getting up in the tree and then, you know, I'm trying to – not have some big bulky jacket and you know fitting it over the uh you know the saddle so yeah that was funny man i've been trying to find that thing i'm like i wonder what it is right right so um that that's a little bit about i mean how do you let me ask you this you're a saddle hunter here like this is something that i haven't had to deal with yet because we're we're getting into the cold temperatures right now um, this, it's going to be warm for the most part this week, but this weekend is going to be fairly, um, how do I, it's going to be wet and cold. All yep. right. And so how do you in a saddle address layers? Cause that's something that I need to kind of know how to do. Like if you need to take off or add while you're actually in the tree, in the saddle. It, it, it's not easy. <laughs> so, um, with the, uh, 
I've been wearing um, suspenders um, pretty much from day one with the saddle. Right. Um, I, I just got, you know, I was I got a pair of uh, suspenders that are meant for like a tool belt. So that's kind of comes into play. So, you know, get up in the tree, you know, I'm just in a t-shirt or whatever. You got to take those suspenders down and, you know, everything will kind of slide down your butt. But what I do is stop pulling stuff out of the pack and sort of kind of lay it over the bridge. And you kind of just have to go one by one, tucking it in, man. There's no easy way or smooth way to do it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then the only thing is once you have that jacket over this, really, unless you have like, you know, you see some guys will kind of have their jacket cut on the sides and sewn up so they can kind of fit it over the edges of the saddle. But right. I just toss the thing over. There's really not much you can do about it. Yeah. And there's uh, one thing that I uh, am looking forward to. I noticed that on the overalls, so I have a pair of overalls that I wear, and that's the the, the war- extremely warm stuff. Depending yep. on, and I usually wear these mostly for a morning hunt, but the sides on them open up and they can zip down a little bit. So I think I, what I'm going to be able to do is get away with putting my, my base layer pant, uh, bottoms on, put my saddle on, and then... So the only thing that I'll have is the the thing sitting out of the side. And then so my tether, I can uh, attach it to the tree, right to the, the rope, and I'm I'm good to go. Hmm. Yeah, I've never tried. I mean, as far as, you know, in the cold and, you know, even in the tree in the saddle, my legs are never an issue. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't really bother me even if they do get cold. So I just kind of have like the, I think a pair of catalyst pants that I wear a lot of the time where I have um, just like an insulated pair of like the redhead bath pro pants that I wear, right. you know, if it's real cold, I can throw some, I think I have a pair of, um, I think you mentioned it, but the Merino tech, um, I came across that stuff a couple of years ago for their, their base layers and dude, those things, they're, they're pretty good. I think I paid 40 bucks for a pair of those and they give you a free pair of socks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, those socks, man, I, I wear those, you know, pretty much all season until, you know, those bitter days when I can, you know, if I need to throw a, um, stick a pair of socks over, but, but, um, yeah, that's pretty interesting, man. I never, I, I've kind of debated it, like how it would work with bibs, but yeah, let me know how that goes. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm still in the learning process of hunting from a saddle. You know, hunting from a saddle is going to be easy as far as garments are concerned in the, in the warm to, you know, lightly cool weather and probably even easier in the you know in the in the evenings because it's it gets it's warm then gets cold it's not cold 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 and then slowly warms up throughout the day you've had the whole day to for it to warm up but that's the thing that i i just keep thinking about is how am i gonna stay warm am i gonna have to get dressed at the bottom of the tree then put my saddle on at the bottom of the tree and and that all that stuff or am i gonna be able to do how i do it how i do when i'm in a tree stand and that's just straight up you know i can it's easy sit down put my take my boots off hang them off to the side put my put everything on and kind of go from there what i guess uh we'll uh we'll check it out hopefully hopefully i'm not having to layer up or or layer down and a deer walks through while I'm doing that. That would suck, <laughs> man. I hear you, man. Yeah, that tricky thing. You know, you mentioned the boots and the saddle. You um, <laughs> you got to get pretty creative, man, holding that boot while you're changing your socks because it would suck if that thing fell down and you got to go down those sticks with one boot on. Oh, man. Yeah, that would suck. I think yeah. that would actually hurt my feet having to put my body weight on one of those lone wolf sticks that I have. So, uh, let's talk about socks and boots. Um, what's your approach? Um, so my feet also sweat really bad. Yeah. Um, so I usually just, uh, wear like those Merino tech thin socks. Um, pretty much, I mean, still now, as long as I'm not, if I'm not going anywhere wet, I have a, you know, pair of like military type issue um just like those tan pack boots um that i wear and those are probably the only boots i've found so far that my feet aren't sweating through um and then you know if i obviously i'm going to be sitting out when it gets colder i have a pair of um i hate wearing rubber boots but a lot of the time i have to wear them i had either have a pair of mucks 
or I have, um, I'm probably going to butcher the brand name, but Hisia, I think it's called. And those are like an 800 gram um, insulated rubber boot. Um, and then I have, you know, if I'm not going to be going through any mud water, I have a pair of um, just like 400 gram Irish setters. And when it gets real nasty, I have a pair of those uh, Arctic Shield boot covers that I uh, stick on over those. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And the, the Arctic Shield, dude, I've, I've, I, uh, <laughs> I can't believe people still wear rubber boots is what I'm getting at. I mean, I hate I mean, them, man. I only ask when I have to. Yeah. They're number one, they're bulky. Number two, um, they, they don't necessarily, they may keep your feet warm, but maybe only if you're kind of moving around a little bit, um, they, they don't breathe. They hold moisture in. So then when the yep. boot gets cold, the inside of your foot gets cold. And unless you have some kind of thermal um, insole or heating pad, then it just gets, it, I mean, it's just an ice box in there and I, I, I don't like it. The Arctic Shield boot covers, I'm wearing less socks. I'm wearing hiking boots that are more um, agile walking through the woods. And <laughs> I'll tell you this right now, I, uh, you put those boot covers on and it doesn't feel like they're warm, warm, but they're not cold. Right. And so almost like a, um, I want to say a little muggy almost, but not cold. And so I'd sit there, I can sit all day if I I, like my mind will go and tell me to get down before my feet will go and tell me to get down. And so I don't know, man, I just really feel like, uh, people are missing out for me. I have a pair of, uh, alpaca, uh, socks from, Oh my God, the the owner, if he heard me now, he, like, I've, I've talked to him, uh, Altera, the name of the company is called Altera, Alpacos, uh, Alpaca socks. And they're not, they're, you know, it's not Merino wool, it's Alpaca wool. And it's the same thing. It, it, it probably even does a better job of that kind of wool than, than sheep do. Long story short, those with my, uh, crispy hiking boots and then the boot covers put on over top of it, I'll tell you. It's a game changer, and uh, I feel way more comfortable in the stand in, in cold temps. So there's that. Yeah, I think I have like a maybe like an early generation. I mean, great uh, those uh, boot covers. Yeah, great that my feet are big, but I have I do have a hard time stretching those damn things over the boots, man. But they are, yeah, they're a world of difference, and you know, especially having your feet that sweat. Yeah. You're able to just kind of toss those things on, man. It definitely is, makes a world of a difference. Yeah. I wonder I wonder what would happen. I've never done this, but I wonder what would happen if I would actually take my boot off and maybe put in a maybe a, a another big sock on and then put my feet in in there without my boot on if it would stay warmer yet because air is the biggest insulator not rubber not fabric not you know you know the the reason insulation in a house is the way it is is it's designed to create as much fluff or air in between outer wall and inner wall and that is where you get your insulation from is the air so um i wonder if that would work man i don't know hey give it a go put some uh some of those hand warmers in there i'm sure it'd be all right yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, there's that. I do use some hand warmers sometimes. Like, talk to me. This is what I was thinking about the other day. I shoot my bow all year round, no gloves. I do not like to wear gloves in while I'm hunting, right? So if I see a deer coming, most of the time, I have enough time to take my glove off and put it in my pocket and, and shoot with my gloves off in the past. There's been some times where I didn't have that time. Are you a glove guy or do you have like uh, fingers cut off out of your uh, fingertips cut out of your gloves or how do you, what kind of gloves are you, you going with? So I'm not a glove guy, but I'm forced to wear them because I have bitch hands, man. So I never used to have issues and you know, my buddies laughed me about it, but I was working with a, uh, acetone a few few years ago on a boat and dude those rubber gloves melted off my hands and i got that shit on my hands and ever since then 
man, my hands, dude, I'm, I'm 40 degrees. My hands have to get cold. So you got like so, chemical burns? No, man. I, I don't know what the hell happened. I mean, I went, you know, went in, scrubbed the hands, everything else. Didn't get any burns. But since then, I've had just the, my hands are just extra sensitive. And I've had really, really cold hands. Up until then, man, I never really, hardly ever wore gloves. I just stick my hands in the pockets. But since then, call me crazy, but they get freaking cold now, man. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, so, so I'm actually, uh, I'm a crossbow hunter. Yeah. Um, I got some issues with my right arm, so I've been using a crossbow for like probably the last like four or five years or so. Um, so with gloves, you can't really have anything real thick over your finger. Right. So you have to go with either not wearing it. Or you, what I do is, um, I will wear like some of those, you know, fingerless gloves and then underneath I'll just put like a thin pair of those like black cotton kind of, um, tight gloves and through there. And I've found that that works pretty damn good. Yeah. I'll tell you you when you get cold over. Yeah. So if I do wear gloves, it's like a mechanics glove, right? Um, uh, or some kind of utility glove. It's not, it's not fluffy. It's something durable that I can push weeds out of the way. It's not going to, it's not fluffy. It, you know, it's basically used for, I don't know, laborers. Okay. And then I get out, I take those off, put them in my pockets or in my pack. And then I have one of those, um, muffs and you, you know, you've seen quarterbacks in cold weather. They'll put their yep. hands in those muffs. I have yep. one of those. And that's what I keep my hands in. And sometimes if it's really cold, then I will put a hand warmer in there and that keeps it warm. But while I, you know, if I got to pick my bow up to fight the cold or the direct contact, I've put uh, tape, uh, just, just some athletic tape around my grip. And that doesn't make it near as cold to touch as, um, you know, on that kind of stuff. Even with my tree stands, I usually wrap my uh, tree stand base, uh, or not the base, but the vertical bar and my, all of my climbing sticks with that as well. So it's not as cold to the touch per se. And, and it seems to be doing fine. Now, once you get into that snowy, uh, I don't know, 20 to zero degrees, even below zero. Now we start to get even the muffs, and the hand warmers just aren't cutting it as much. So, um, so I haven't figured that out. I I have to, I have to go back to a glove at that point, but you know, for the upcoming seven or 10 day forecast that I'm looking at, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Yeah. Same here, man. Our weather, I think we're going to be at like 70 degrees this weekend. Yeah. So it's been, it's been, uh, yeah, it hasn't been cold. Tell you that. Are you, are you a hood guy or a stocking cap guy? I go with the cap. I can't stand wearing a hood. I mean, sometimes, if it, you know, if it gets kind of nasty out, you have to. But I, I can't stand having a hood on. I feel like my hearing's blocked. You know, you yes. turn into left to right. I can't stand it. Yeah. And most of the time, I'm taking, if I do have a hood on, you know, if I if I put my hood on, every time I, I, I look back and forth, I have to take my hood off anyway because it, it blocks a little bit of my view. And so I I feel like I'm constantly putting it off and on. And so I'm a stocking cap guy as well. Now I won't wear my stocking cap as I'm walking into the woods because, uh, you know, it gets hot and, uh, I don't want to, you know, start breaking sweat, let that all escape. Mm -hmm. And then when, once I cool down, then I'll throw it on. So kind of go from there, but, uh, let's see here. What, uh, let's see, we've talked about kind of the clothing uh, aspect of it. Has there ever been a product that you were really hyped about to get? And then once you got it, you're like, dude, this sucks, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I hate to say it, but those, those tethered one sticks. <laughs> <laughs> we had this example. I have to share this. I have to I have to share this uh, example or this story because you asked, is there anybody that I cannot, I, I can't talk bad about or I can't, you know, you don't want me to say any brands. And I said, no, on this podcast, we have a complete unbiased. I'm not going to tell you you can or you can't say anything bad about a certain company. And, and I used Tethered as an example because they are a partner 
of of this podcast. And so when, right now, when, like you just said that, I'm like, oh, okay, here hey. we go. Let's see. What- <laughs> hey. But with that said, I mean, I I I love their saddle. I love the gear. Um, just those sticks, man. It's put it this way. I wouldn't say they suck. I'm just not confident in in the safety aspect of them. Okay. And um, the guys have been great. Um, I had so I had an issue um, with them a couple uh, actually last season, and it was just with the um, the Dynalock twisting on me. So it kind of just scared the hell out of me. But they've been good. You know, sent me out a replacement right away. Um, and I'm actually in the works of them now. They answered me right away and getting these things, I think, sent back either with going with the Gen 3s or trying something new. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's yeah, I, I mean, yeah. that's awesome. So I think, I think what we have here is an, uh, uh, an opportunity to talk about customer service because yeah. one thing that I used to do was get a product. If it didn't work or I didn't like it, I used to, or something wrong with it, I would bitch and not do anything about it. And yep. so since I've been in the industry, so to speak, they have a process for this. Most companies have a process that if you don't like it, it's broken or it's not uh, performing up to whatever standard that you want. You call it in and you communicate with them. The communication part is the big one here. And so Mm -hmm. every time now I see someone talk shit on a company or trash a company, and it doesn't matter what company it is, if it's a, if it's a company that I really like and someone's talking trash on them and I've had a good experience, I go, what did they say when you reached out to them? And most of the time they, they say, well, I haven't reached out to them yet. Well, then why are you talking trash on them? Because yep. the company more than likely, and the uh, tethered now is a perfect example. You have a problem. They want to fix the problem for you because they mm-hmm. want you as a customer still. So, um, every time you don't like it, reach out to the company talk with someone, email someone. And yes, it might take a while for some, some companies, especially if they're smaller to get back to you, but they most companies, most companies want to help you and they want your continued support and they're, they probably do anything to keep you. So um, it sounds like tethered's taking steps in the right direction to uh, address the issues that you're having. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I give a props to them. You know, they've had, they've admitted some issues with the sticks you know, they're working on them, um, fixing them clearly. And they, they owned it, man, with yeah. that stuff. And they were cool. I mean, they sent me, when that happened, like a new stick within a couple of days, I had another one. Yeah. Um, you know, I emailed them this time, just kind of with some concerns I had. And they were cool about it. They understood. And, you know, they had a return label, I think, within a day or so. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I still rock their, their saddle, their platform, um, you know, some of their accessories, like the gear strap and everything. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, and that's what really good customer service is all about. And, um, uh, and on top of that, being able to have uh, a product where like, I'm not going to recommend that you get a saddle and you don't practice with it and start hunting with it instantly. Right. I'm going to say it takes just like any tree stand. I mean, maybe not a ladder stand, but any type of mobile hunting uh, tree stand or climber or saddle, it takes practice to properly use it. And so mm-hmm. most companies, Tether is another uh, another uh, example of Tethered having really good education, uh, a really good educational content slash platform through their YouTube channel and through their website that is actually designed to help people get educated on, on how to use their products properly because sometimes on uh, certain products uh, guys will get it and they won't they'll assume they know how to use it you know what i mean and yeah, so absolutely yeah and so yeah. um i don't know i just really feel like uh um if a like especially these days with social media with uh youtube if a company is not providing that kind of those resources they're losing automatically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yep yep yeah uh so so 
let's not let's maybe end it on a different product do you have <laughs> do you have any other do you have any other uh products out there that you've been disappointed with in the past and I, i'll share i'll even share one mm-hmm. go go ahead do you have a no, oh, okay sorry i thought you were going um trying to think um i would say that um so i also duck hunt yes. as well yes and um you know i've gone through you know cheap shotguns and you know really was excited to kind of upgrade and i got the um the a400 browning and everybody i knew who had one either had that you know or, or a super black eagle and i was hunting with that man and i was jamming up ammo left and right yeah. and i was real bummed out about it and um their customer service was great man uh they sent me a label had the gun shipped out within a couple of days they sent it back and they gave me a list of all the different ammo they used. And they're like, Hey, we didn't find any issue at all. I bring it out again. First shot jammed. Yeah. So I ended up finding out that it was more of like the gun just didn't like a three and a half inch. Um, but other than that, man, I switched back to three inch on that thing. It's been sweet ever since. Um, so that's been, uh, you know, it kind of gets back to like the money isn't always everything on stuff. So, for instance, so I have a, um, my crossbow is the Mission Sub 1, and I've had to send that back to the factory twice already. Um, yeah, so, that's I mean, th- also that, customer service, though, they've been unbelievable. Yeah. It's just, I don't know if I just have bad luck, but. <laughs> you know how frustrating the- that is for, for an end yeah. user? Like, um, you, you, you do the research. And I don't know about you, like, for example, uh, we got a garage door that's kind of acting funny. So I had to buy a new controller for it, and uh, it, it it didn't work. So we're going to have to sh- send it back. Ah, I, it sucks to do. But mm-hmm. with hunting gear, a hobby, a passion, whatever you want to call it, I'm excited to get this, right? Because I know how I'm going to – I'm already thinking about how I'm going to use it. So when I get it, and then whatever piece of equipment, clothing, accessory – you got to send it back. It's just, it's so frustrating to have to go to the post office, send it back, wait X amount of weeks until it, until it comes. And then you're just like, dude, like I was so jacked to use this. Now here it is the hunting season and it's on back order or, uh, it, it takes some time to get back. And, um, <laughs> just like I'm, I'm shaking right now thinking about it. Like, what would happen if a piece of equipment failed for me? Like, my bow cam broke, or I needed to get a new bow cam, or uh, something, some accessory, or like my uh, my limb cracked, or I'm, I'm just think, knock on wood, that don't happen. But what I'm getting at is the amount of time it would take. The rut would probably be over before I would get those parts that I need, and so. Um, but like you said, it sounds like that company is taking strides to really take care of you. Yeah, yeah, they've been good. Um, I, I feel like a lot of the stuff kind of comes back with you know, everybody's trying to make everything, you know, lighter, sleeker, everything else. But really, you got to kind of look into the, you know, the quality of everything else. Um, going back with like the sticks, for instance, um, I've got a chance to use the B sticks. And, you know, they're a little heavier, but I mean, I have never used a stick that I felt more confident with than using those. So those have kind of been on my radar um, as far as, you know, looking to switch some stuff out. I mean, I don't give, um, you know, anybody, what I'm going to say here, you know, I don't trash anybody for liking certain gear or, um, you know, you know, you got to spend this much money on this and that, but. I mean, you got to find out what works for you, right. honestly. So, I mean, those like those sticks, you know, like I said, that crossbow, that gun work great for some people. And I, maybe it's just me, man. I have had a lot of really bad luck. And I see people with the same gear with no issues yet. So maybe I just beat on stuff or something. But. Yeah. Um, do you Are you a believer that price reflects quality? Or has there ever been a product that you spent premium a premium amount on, and then it uh, ended up being a turd? <laughs> um, 
not nothing really a complete turd um but i've felt like and you know just in the past with different gear what you know with various things it's like eh, kind of a waste of money um but on the other end you know i like i've had gear that you know considered cheap or you know a clearance gear and the stuff has performed great so not always um i would say that you know a lot of the time cheap is cheap for a reason but when it comes to expensive it doesn't always mean that it's going to be something that's going to perform correct so. right right yeah man and and so here's here's my thoughts on that typically and this this sucks because you really do want to support the companies within the industry right yep. um but for me i have found that let's say you take the label and you take camo, the, the some camo pattern out of it, and it's just two items sitting next together, right? One is designed in the hunting industry, and the other is outside of the hunting industry. I can find apparel. I can or uh, and you take like this conversation does not revolve around bows or guns or sights for that particular weapon. I'm talking about clothing. I'm talking about boots, socks, things like that. I can find two items that are almost similar on paper, similar design, similar feel, similar fit, uh, function, all that stuff. But the hunting industry, um, you'll be paying more money to the tune of, I would say, 10 to 20% more just because it's inside the hunting industry. And so uh, outside of that Eddie Bauer jacket that I found, I went to like LL Bean, who it's an outdoor company, but not necessarily a hunting brand. I want to support the hunting industry, but at the same time, man, it's like it's it's tough when you're paying so much for a pair of pants or for uh, a jacket or something when there's other stuff out there that does the exact same thing for a for a cheaper price, and so. Um, I'm I'm still in the process of like making my decision of, of how I want to approach it, but I'm not a huge mm-hmm. believer in camo anyway. So pattern doesn't necessarily affect my decision making. Um, you know, I can I can get away with browns or greens or or you know light tans and just a mixture of that kind of stuff, which I do anyway. But it just like I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I am, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, most of my stuff just is camo just because, um, but as I get, you know, I've been getting more mobile and the camo doesn't matter, man. I'm just in, uh, searching out for something that works. And, and honestly, for, you know, for my type of hunting, um, a lot of the access is through residential areas to get into these pieces of woods. And I don't want eyes on me going in and out, whether it's, you know, anti-hunters or other hunters um so i actually just got um a couple years ago i got an e-bike which is a game changer oh dude um, dude and game hopping on changer. that thing man game changer <laughs> if you hop on that thing riding down the road and you know you're in full camo and you got a bow people are going to be looking at you so right. I, I try to get on that <laughs> thing and just get some you know throw a hoodie on and you know a pair of whatever gray pants or something man and yeah just get in there <laughs> because yeah yeah, man, that bike, it, it is sweet, man, getting to some of these areas. Yeah. Let me let me tell you real quick about this e-bike. And so I don't know if this secret just seems, it, it's not necessarily a secret. It's not necessarily a loophole. It's just how things are written. But so, and I, I was, I've been meaning to talk about this anyway, because I went to South Dakota and I went to, I didn't have it when I was in Nebraska, but I could have used it in Nebraska. So in e-bike, if it's under, so if it is over 750 watts, this this is the thing, it's considered a motorized vehicle, whether you have a throttle on it or not, okay? So the bike, I I did my research uh, on the public land that I was able to hunt, hunt on, and what consists of a motorized vehicle or not. I dis I took the throttle, disconnected it, right? So I can't use the thumb. The only way the the motor works is by pedal power, and it gives me assistance. Unlike uh, 
the throttle on a, there's no human assistance in a four-wheeler or a side-by-side or a, a dirt bike, right? That right there is the, uh, you know, that's how the, that's how the power goes. But with this bike, disconnect the throttle, and the I bought a minus, it was under 750 watts. It doesn't go over 20 miles an hour. And so that does not count as a motorized vehicle on certain public lands. And so I was able to use it on uh, on public land because it's it's it would be considered a bicycle at that point. And so bicycles are legal on public land. And and so I was like, dude, why not give it a try? And I tell you what, man, I got in so deep. I mean, one one day I went in six miles, six miles d- deep and just riding. And the cool part was it was almost like there was a path laid out for me on some of these well-used cattle trails. And I was mm-hmm. just taking like a highway back in there. And so I could get six miles in like 30 minutes. It was, it was awesome, right? I mean, it was, it was awesome to get to, to use it. And, and so I'm going to, until the rules change, I feel like I'm going to continue to use that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's the same thing here. It's the 750 watt rule. Yeah. Uh, So like for for instance, Massachusetts, I mean, to get in that far in the woods, it's kind of, unless you're at like a, you know, a conservation area where they have all these hiking trails and stuff that it's just not going to happen. Um, but man, like zipping down power lines or mm-hmm. the big thing with these is if you don't have parking access. So, you know, I had one spot that I go to and like doing observation hunts, you can see these bucks just, you know, crossing way out, going across this, you know, river that you would have to either have waders on or, you know, build a bridge to get over. And I mean, I was taking a kayak in there. I'd get up, you know, extra hours early, kayaking in, you know, with the waders, changing, you know, trudging through, getting up there with the e-bike. It's a couple mile ride up the road, ditch the bike into the woods and get in because there's nowhere to park. So that's kind of where I use it for. But I mean, it's saving and you're not sweating, man. You can bundle up, hop on that bike and get right in there. So it's a game changer, man. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and plus like I'm going to even use my e-bike on private ground in Iowa. Now it's not the fact that the walk is going to be terribly long from where I would park my truck and where I would, uh, get to my, the hunting locations. It's the fact that I have limited access and that access means I have to walk through a gate, uh, like a, a 15, 16 foot gate. All right. And every time that I've gone there so far, I've been busted walking in because the deer can see the gate opening or walk through. Now, it's a working farm. So my, th- my thought process here is I use the e-bike as more of a strategy and less of actually an e-bike, right? So if I drive my truck down through there or an e-bike down through there, it doesn't look like a actual... I don't know. It doesn't look like a, a a human or a threat. It's just another piece of farm equipment. They may not stick around, but they're not running away scared as opposed to if they saw me walking through there, ju- you know, just me. So I'm, I'm playing that game, right. To try to figure out, um, you know, to, to figure out what spooks them and what doesn't with this limited access, I'll be able to ride my bike in there. It's quiet. But it just from a from just a, a, a sight profile, it doesn't look like a human. It looks more like a vehicle. They may get confused, they may run off, but they're not scared. And so um, I'm I'm hoping that that helps me out on this private piece that I that I'm gonna be hunting. Yeah, it's really sweet. Do you have um? You is it a rear drive or a mid drive bike? You have it's a mid drive, right? Does it, so does it have that? Uh, I don't know what brand you have, but does it have that? So I have a mid drive. But it has that like click when you drive. Did you always have that on there? Like so when you're going and you're not pedaling, you have like that tick 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 kind of going on there. Um, I guess it's normal for some of the bikes. I was curious. Yeah, yeah, it's normal. It's also normal on regular bikes 
right? So like on a regular bike, on a, on a one where you have gears and you got to shift speeds that if your yep. pedals are idle, I just always keep my pedal moving slow in one direction. So I don't, I, so I'm not trying to necessarily coast. The other thing is if I use the throttle, if I use the throttle, the engines o- or the motor is always kind of going. And so I feel like I'm going to be not using the pedal power, but the throttle on private. Yeah. On the private ground. And that, yes. that, sh- that should help me. It helped me. I, I hope anyway. So, yes, sir. Um, yeah. We're going to wind it down here. Any other products or categories that you want to touch base on real quick? Um, yeah. How about, um, like camping gear, like hunting out of the trucks? Oh yeah. Sort of thing. Um, so I do, um, I haven't done any trips where, you know, sleeping out of the vehicle, but I do fishing trips that yeah. do that. So, um, there is a, if you're ever in the market for a cooler, check out, you ever heard of Cater Gator? Have not. So they have the, they're molded coolers. I mean, they're the same thing as, you know, either, you know, Yeti or Arctic, anything like that. But there's a, a website called uh, Restaurant Web Store and check them out, man. You can get one of like a 170 quart cooler for under 300 bucks. And I got that thing and sweet, man. Kind of just a cool find um, when I was getting the car kind of rigged up for a trip I did this summer. Yeah. 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 And so you sleep out of the back of the truck? Yeah. So we do, um, familiar with, you know, Martha's Vineyard. Yep. There is a, a fishing derby that goes on there, um, you know, September to October. And we all kind of, you know, you get everything rigged up. You have, uh, you know, everybody has their cots in there, coolers, racks, rods, everything else. And yeah, we just camp out of the trucks for, uh, yeah, the week. It's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. So I went on my entire Nebraska trip and only, I only spent one night in South Dakota in, in a hotel. And that was, I left a hunting spot and I was driving through a town and I didn't want to have to set up necessarily. It's not like I didn't want to set up in the dark cause I did it every night anyway. I just didn't, I just was like, it was the last day of the hunt. And I was just like, ah, I'm just going to get a hotel room, yeah. 100, 140 bucks. But yeah. every other night I slept in the back of my truck on a foam pad that my wife actually bought for some crafting project and ended up not using. And so I laid that down. It's fairly comfortable. And then, uh, what else? So that, and then here's my latest biggest investment. And it, it was not cheap. It was six eighty, I think it was, it was a Western mountaineering, a Western mountaineering sleeping bag. It's a made in America bag downfilled dude that is the best investment i've ever i've ever i think i've made when it's come to camping gear and equipment i slept uh in nebraska it was there were the first two nights it was warm so i slept with my sleeping bag open and you know the the second half of the trip cold or cool cooled down the south dakota trip every night got down to like high 30s low 40s and I was snug as a bug as a, in a rug at that. Now, if you want to talk about the give there, that uh, that six days of my hunt was probably equal to if I stayed in a hotel was the cost of that sleeping bag. So it's already pay, it, it's already paid for itself yep. in that aspect, and then it just became an instant return on investment as I'm going into the South Dakota hunt, and now. Because I'm on my whitetail hunt uh, this week and next week, I won't be doing what I usually do and staying at my mom's house back where I'm originally from. I'm going to be sleeping Mm -hmm. in the back of my truck in potentially 20-degree weather, and I have this badass sleeping bag that I'm going to be able to take advantage of. And so um, I'm really looking forward to all of the, you know, like all just doing it, saving money, and it really does like sleeping in your truck on some of these hunts. It, you can, I'm very comfortable. I'm very comfortable and I'm very happy with, uh, how, you know, all of it, you know, how all of it works. And, and I, I've got my routine down with my, uh, you know, how I eat my food, my cooler, where I kind of, how I have everything backed, you know, stuffed into the back of my truck. I take it out, put the sleeping bag and the pad in there, hop in and we're good to go. So 
uh, highly recommend uh, investment on a good sleeping bag if you are the type of person who takes out-of-state hunts and wants to save money on not sleeping in a campground or a cabin or a hotel. Yep. So. Yeah, definitely getting, you know, all set up with your gear, you know, before you do a trip like that is definitely huge. You know, having everything have that place kind of makes the world a difference, makes the trip a lot more enjoyable. Yes, absolutely. Well, we're winding down here, man. Uh, Ryan, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, hop on and uh, uh, chat with us. Good luck in the next coming weeks. Hopefully you slay. And uh, again, thanks for for your time today. You too, man. Happy Halloween. And hey, if you ever decide you want to have a a movie podcast, I'm in. All right. Sounds good, man. (laughs) All right, dude. I'll talk to you.